Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. All right, we are here today, we're going to talk about Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier of America. Or, as most of you probably saw it, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm pretty excited about this. I really liked it. Jim, however, was not fond of this. So he decided to opt out of this episode. So in his place, we brought back one of my best friends, Brandon Hansen. Hi. Brandon also really liked this, correct? I did. I think that the new Marvel setup where they can do six episodes kind of does what the Snyder Cut could, should have done with like breaking it up into multiple episodes over weeks and telling a bigger story. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think with this method, they can develop the characters in the TV shows, which then leaves more time in the movies for the stories. I would 100 percent agree with that. So and and to me, I guess that kind of goes to why I've always liked Marvel, because Marvel to me has to use stories to investigate humanity. And they've always been very focused on the characters themselves. I feel like they were always willing to sacrifice some plot elements in the stories they were telling in order to keep the spotlight on the people in the story. My feeling is that Marvel's all been always been about the characters. Even the bad guys can be sympathetic. Like you had Magneto, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he saw supremacy elements. And then you have baddies that we're going to talk about here in a minute that I find pretty sympathetic. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think I just think this just exemplifies the focus on the characters the way Marvel always always did. They're moving more towards what the books felt like. It's showing that people are three-dimensional. There's a reason why we shouldn't lionize people, you know? People can do great things and still be assholes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that goes both ways, too, with your heroes and your villains. Is, right. You know. And I think that, that was really Zemo's entire point. Yeah. It was just that, is you put people on pedestals, you ignore that they're assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, for me, this one, I, it felt like a buddy cop movie that was split into sections. And like I said, it, it felt to me more like a comic book run, where each episode felt like an individual book in a miniseries. I would buy that. I think there's some crossover, but... I, I didn't read a lot of the books. I, I watched cartoons, and I'd flip through stuff. So I thought we would fairly briefly, episode by episode, talk about our thoughts on the episode and on, on what happened in each one. I don't want to go overly detailed into what happened in the episode, but more like what we took from it. Yeah. If, if we can do that. So the first episode, which is called New World Order, it starts overall with Falcon working with the military, specifically a guy named Joaquin Torres. Bring down... Batroc the Leaper, which they don't call him the Leaper, but I like calling him the Leaper because that's who he is in the books and everything. Well, that's what he does when he jumps out of the (laughs) helicopter. And he even screams Merde, which is like the most like offensive French word ever, apparently. (laughs) Torres tells Sam about a rising terrorist group called the Flag Smashers, which is actually kind of a throw to the books, too, because there was a character called the Flag Smasher. 
a lot of people really bitched about calling them the Flag Smashers. They thought it was stupid. If you're going to have a revolutionary group, that's a pretty spot-on name. <laughs> it really is, especially what they were trying to do. Right? <laughs> I, I really like this one particular line during this conversation. When uh, Torres was telling Sam what, what the Flag Smashers are about, and he said they're trying to make the world better, and Sam says, trust me, when things get better for one group, they get worse for another. That's social commentary at its finest. I mean, when civil rights came out, you saw like the peak of Confederate statues being put up. People feel like when other people aren't being oppressed, that their station in society goes down somehow. Right. Part of the reason why we both liked this series so much is the social commentary. As we're going through this, we will touch on it. I don't want to go super deep into the social commentary, strictly because that's just not what this podcast is. I'm sure you and I will be talking about it in depth once, we're, <laughs> once we stop recording. Uh, but I, I want to touch on it. I think it's important to at least touch well, on and recognize. I, I just don't want to go deep dive yeah. into what they meant or what where it's going or... Well, I mean, relating it to current situations, they wrote those lines to have a conversation, right? And I don't, yeah. it's not that I don't want to have that conversation, <laughs> I just don't want to have that conversation on air, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just not what, what we try to do here. From there, Sam gives the shield to the government for display. We kind of start Bucky's story arc, where it starts with him having a, a memory nightmare of a mission where he killed an innocent bystander in it. And it kind of shows how Bucky is tormented by his memories of the time he spent as Winter Soldier. And I think that's very interesting. And I think you see the effects of that throughout. It also shows that he was aware when he was Winter Soldier. Like, even though he was programmed to have those memories, he would have to, they'd have to be like cataloged in the back of his brain. And he just couldn't stop himself from doing the thing that he was doing. Yeah, I mean, you can know what you're doing and know it's wrong, but still do it. Yeah. And you also get to see how Bucky's living. He's sleeping on the floor. He's got a couch, a TV, and a nightstand, and that's it. Right. And yeah. you see that later, too, when he's sitting there watching TV and he's just sitting on the floor. Yeah. He's got the couch there. But yeah. He's just sitting on the floor. So, I mean, it's almost like some sort of style of... Is he punishing himself? Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm trying to get yeah. at, is yeah. self-punishment. Does he feel like he doesn't deserve it? Is he punishing himself? I mean, because you see in this episode, even, when he talks about making amends to the senator where he has the technology where he can robot control cars with a tablet and screw with people. So it's not like it's a lack of money thing. It's a, you know, it's self-imposed. Yeah. Does he just not want the luxuries of a bed or, or he doesn't, doesn't deserve a bed yet. We'll we'll see in in the next exciting (laughs) adventure, whether he has moved up in the world. Right. (laughs) Maybe he gets a little twin. (laughs) <laughs> so he he goes to his court mandated therapy they talk through stuff shows that it's not going very well but well, he lies plan. <laughs> he, he lies a lot he's just going through the motions and dealing with it on his own instead of the way that therapist wants him to deal with it and then after that he, he meets with the father of the bystander that he killed in the nightmare that he had the memory it looks as if he's befriended this person and gets lunch with them on every wednesday i think it is that they're yeah. getting lunch together and He's trying to make his life better. So this is like a AA arc. You know, right. one of the things is that you have to make amends for all the things you did when you were. And he's confusing make amends with buy a guy dinner every week. 
And we see later at the end where he actually does make amends, where he confesses right. and says what this is, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, and then after that, his friend, uh, Yori, I believe is his name, forces him to get a date. <laughs> he goes on the date, and it is really awkward. He shows he's kind of a man out of time. He doesn't really know what to do. He's still stuck in his 1940s ways. He shows up with roses, which is really cute. Yeah. I think they play Battleship. Yeah, they play Battleship. And and she makes it a drinking game, which is probably the most dangerous drinking game I've ever seen. I've played my fair share. Yeah, I can't comment. <laughs> There's a couple references, too. Like At one point, she's like, how old are you? 106. And she just laughs, and he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've had ex-girlfriends that have told like their kids that I'm like 100 years old just because it's just easier to explain why I know things the way I do than <laughs> to not. He's just old. <laughs> From there, we go back to Sam's story. He's having family problems. His family's boat is all broken down, and his w sister wants to sell it. He doesn't want her to. The bank rejects his loan because he has no income for five years because of the snapping into the blip. Now, in this, we've always understood the blip to be the, the five-year time span when everybody was gone, but this series seems to call the blip when everybody came back. Which was confusing for a little while. It was confusing for a minute, but I think that's how we need to proceed to talk about it. We'll right. talk about the snap and the blip. The snapping and then the blip. That's really telling because like Sam's been gone for five years, yeah. It starts the conversation and kind of goes also to push for what the Flag Smasher's point was. was For five years, half the population was gone. Well, the business that they had, the fishing business that they had, just went into absolute disrepair because A, half of the people were gone. Not only half of the people that were helping her, but half of the customers are gone uh, now, too. I think we can talk more about that when we get into the Flag Smashers. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about them, because I find them to be a fairly sympathetic group, even if they are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's another storyline in this, too, is yeah. Sam Flatow says, I don't disagree with your point. I just disagree mm -hmm. with your methods. Methods. Which is something that we say all the time. <laughs> Which, speaking of the Flag Smashers, at the end of this, or somewhere in this, this is somewhat out of order. I tried to group storylines together so we're not bouncing around too much, but Flag Smashers rob a bank while at about the same time, America introduces the new Captain America, John Walker, who us nerds had little panic attack excitement because we know John Walker as U.S. agent. Yes. And just a little shout out here to Wyatt Russell. He did a great job. He did a fantastic yeah. job portraying John Walker. And even if he looked like the dude from Up for a minute when he had his helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, John Walker, I mean, for us that have read the books and know the character well enough, we know John Walker could be a really good Captain America, except for he is an asshole. He's impulsive. He refuses to think for himself. He only follows orders. He lacks Steve Rogers' moral aptitude. That too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Steve was wholesomely good. Disgustingly so. Yeah. You can get mad at it if you actually knew the guy. John Walker is a good person, but he's flawed. They even kind of make a point of that later when Zemo was talking about super soldiers, which we'll, we'll get into that later too, but mm. Sam kind of looks at him and goes, well, Steve didn't have that issue. There's and, never been and, another Steve. And Zemo <laughs> said there's never been another Steve Rogers, which is a great point. Yeah. And once again, that's a little bit of social commentary, too, because at this point, John Walker is the best that America has to offer. 
as far as the government's concerned. Well, and it also somewhat commentary on the government and the military of, oh, look, on paper, he's perfect. Yeah, he has all the chest candy. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they're not really looking at the personality, which, it, shout out back to Captain America, the first Avenger, when they say, we're not looking for the perfect soldier, we're looking for the, the right person. person. And it's a little 90-pound dude from Queens that'll jump on a grenade for somebody. Right. I mean, that's the guy you but want. But I like that they bring that up, too. <laughs> They're like, have you ever jumped on a grenade for somebody? He's like, yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. It's, a whole thing I do with my, <laughs> it's a whole thing I do with my helmet, and it's a long story. <laughs> I, it's not so much that John Walker's an asshole. It's that he's an asshole and tries to do the right thing, but can't yeah. seem to execute it well. Right. But overall, for the first episode, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I like uh, Bucky again. He's trying to adjust to a normal life. He's struggling to connect to, to people because of his age. He doesn't really know how to fit into society. He's kind of working through his PTSD from being the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and how would you work through like 70 years of being a Russian puppet that kills people? Right, exactly. You know, I mean, I mean, there's... There's no support group for that. There's no like online forum. There's nobody you can talk to. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like how they brought up how Sam, with all of his military work and everything that he's done as an Avenger and everything, all the great things that he's done, he's had to sacrifice his family life to do that. Family suffered because he wasn't there to help him. And that's like an overarching arc throughout yeah. the whole series is like he like pops back to New Orleans to poke in and help with the boat and right. take care of the kids and call in favors and stuff like that. And it's weird because you don't really see that side to superheroes. Like you assume Clint Barton, Hawkeye, he had a family. You don't see that in between missions. Right. Yeah, except for the one scene in... Um, I think that was in uh, Civil War. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, there's like that one scene where they're like, hi, guys, like they've known each other forever, and you're like, who right. the hell are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, here you even get to, like, meet and see and get to know their families. And, and then finally, I, I like about this one was just that it starts the conversation and to show the aftermath of the blip which we saw a little bit in the last Spider-Man movie, but otherwise it's something that a lot of the fans we've talked about, but we've not seen much of yet. And so it was nice to see that and, and how realistic it seemed. Do we want to like start talking about the time between Snap and Blip? What do you have to say about it? Like You can kind of see where the Flag Smashers are coming from. They want to go oh, yeah, back yeah, to yeah. that because everybody opened up borders and all of a sudden like people were helping rebuild communities and three and a half billion people vanished. Yeah. Off the planet. And so people being who they are, 98% of people, I think, are generically good. So, like, people came in and they were rebuilding houses and wives have been gone for five years. Husbands probably moved on. And vice versa. Yeah. So, I mean, you can see where people would want that closer community that comes with hardship. I don't know how a more appropriate way to say it. They actually, they start diving into that in episode two, so we'll just... Why don't we just jump into that and just talk about that in general? And their motto is one world, one people. And just like you were saying, because everybody came together. Borders were basically erased. Everybody was welcomed everywhere because everybody needed help rebuilding. It mm -hmm. took a lot of teamwork. And they, they mentioned jobs were there. Houses were there. Resources were no longer scarce. And just like Thanos was saying, it'll make society better. It worked. Well, in a mad, titany, murdery way, yeah. Well, I mean, it sucked, but at the same time, functionally, it worked. 
fast forward in that three generations, four generations, when the heartbreak is gone because it's people don't remember that part anymore, probably would have been a better society. And, and that's and again, that's why Thanos the character worked. We're getting back into like Marvel makes very sympathetic villains. Yeah. Resources are finite. I mean, the short answer to take the resource part out of the equation is to make less demand. Well, how do you do that? You eliminate the people that have the demand. Right. And that's a very simplistic view to look at things. Basically, in this, when, when the blip happened and everybody came back, there was a lot of confusion of what do we do now? You know, the people that had houses that were gone, other people are now in their houses. Do we give them back their houses? what's going on that's that's what they're trying to my impression also is when the blip happened when everybody came back they just kind of showed up where they disappeared at too yeah so like you know you were working on your house one day and all of a sudden you come back your house is fixed and there are like two other kids running around yeah i could imagine where that would be what the fuck man what's going on i because they make it sound like you just kind of woke up right it's not like that you recognize that you've been gone for five years yeah, that's that yeah. And so, but, and with that, how do you respond to that? And, and that's what, so basically what's going on is we got the Global Repatriation Council is working on restructuring and re, re-putting up the borders. And then all the people that were displaced because of the blip have gone to, they've got like hundreds of refugee camps. And they're trying to figure out what to do with them, send them back to their countries of origin and stuff like that. And that's where this group... The Flag Smashers is saying, no, 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 one world, one people. We don't, we're here for a reason. We had a good life here. Why are you sending us back to where life sucks? Yeah, and not only that, there's like for five years, those people moved and traveled and helped. Right. And all of a sudden, you're going to say that they're not welcome. Right. You know, eat all of the dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And But on the other hand, if you were one of the people that you had a house, you had a good life, Oh, you yeah. come back and your house is taken over. You got nowhere to go. Your family's moved on. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, it's a strange double-edged commentary on how does that work? Because, I mean, you can't even equate it to immigration. Yeah, you know, really. Somebody like pops out and then pops back in by no fault of their own. You're going to tell them that they can't live in their own yeah. house? <laughs> I think this was a really good example of government workings and how they're really usually isn't one good answer for everybody. No. And the government, and we'll circle back to this, because the reason I didn't want to talk about this until the end is because there's things that happen towards the end that kind of wrap back. Yeah. But, like, at the end, when Sam's big speech, and he kind of talks about, you know, this is our chance to do better, to be better, and he brings up a lot of good points of you people making these decisions... Without these other people in the room. Yeah, exactly. Who's in the room with you? Is it the people that it's going to impact? Is it more people like you? Are you even thinking about how it's going to impact other people? Are you just thinking about what you want done? And I think, again, not getting too into the real world of how that implies, but I just, I like the idea and I like how they exemplify that in a way without actually taking a stance on one side. There's like, I don't really know what to do. My favorite line from that speech was this little girl was willing to die for what she believed in. You didn't even bother to ask why. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. Exactly. But then after that and after a speech and he brought the point up, they changed it to something else. Repatriation and rebuild or something like that. So we can do better. But Mm -hmm. I, I really think there's a lot of things that happened with the Flag Smashers as a group where it's understandable. 
their reasoning and their goal was very understandable and relatable. It was their methods that were questionable when because they, they started killing people. So, like, the Flag Smashers are the people who were dislocated post-blip. So people came back and they got dislocated out of where they were living. Well, it was started by people that had done that, but then and it grew then, into a big thing from people that just supported them. Yeah, and you can kind of see where you'd be pissed off about that. You've been living in a place for five years, and all of a sudden, you don't. And now you're in a refugee camp, and kids aren't getting educated and fed and all that. And like, if I was to play devil's advocate, which I'm prone to do, I think Carly would say you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Which yeah. is kind of what she does kind of say that yeah. a couple times. Yeah. yeah. So I disagree with it wholeheartedly, but it's kind of the revolutionary mindset. Yeah. Well, and they kind of talk about, you know, some say they're terrorists, whereas other people, they're... One person terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Yeah, exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? Where I was going with that, too, is it shows how Carly started trying to just make a point was all she was trying to do. But then it shows, and actually with a lot of this was showing, one of the side effects of the serum, it makes you more you. So it brings out your good traits, but also brings yeah, out your bad, bad traits. And I think one of the things that, why it did well in acting was showing that internal conflict where he recognized he was too focused on his, the bad things, bad intentions, and he was trying to pull, kept trying to pull himself back from it, but he kept going back there again. And I think Carly, I think she started going down that path too, but she didn't recognize she was going down uh, that path. I think it snowballed too fast for her. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, and they, even they showed blew how up her... the one building, and then all of a sudden she's like, didn't you hear? We're criminals now. We might as well just roll with it. Right. And, yeah. and, they, and they also showed how the other people in the group didn't agree with those methods, but they felt bullied into following, which, yeah. again, shows how those things start and go and, yeah. and build. To Zemo's point, which we'll get to later... You know, once again, he's happens. not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> His methods, yes, but he's not wrong. Yeah. But I also really like the line when they're when Sam when they're trying to find where the flag smashers are, and he goes into the little school area, and one of the guys says, We're not refugees, we're internationally displaced persons. And the, he said the entire world had come together, and now that those are that are struggling are labeled criminals for pushing back. And yeah, that's kind of what I wouldn't happens. disagree with that because those people were there for the five years. Right. And then they got displaced when the other three and a half billion people showed up. So he's not wrong. Right. You know, I mean, it's... And if you were to play in his defense, you're going to take preference to people who disappeared for five years? Or are you going to take preference to people who've been there for the five years in between snap and blip? Yeah, and that, I mean, there's yeah. no good answer. Does the house go to the person that originally owned it or the person that owns it now? Yeah, or the car, the motorcycle in the garage. The, right, exactly. You know exactly. I mean? Does one of them get bought off? By who? Which one? Was it sold in the five years? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I like that line of, I don't know, but I don't need to know. I just know that we can do better. Yeah, I think that's the overarching comment is like, yeah. everybody can do a little bit better than what we're doing now. Right. Which is always the case. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the Flag Smashers as a group? I think I'm good to move on. All right. I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit more as we go. Yeah. So episode two, The Star-Spangled Man, that's where we get our introduction to John Walker, who he is. I, I really like that line of time to go to work. It's a job to him. Right. 
where, as with Steve Rogers, it was, it's just who he is. Right. But I'm just doing what has to be done. Yeah. You and I, we wake up and we say, we got to go to work. Steve right. Rogers wakes up and he goes, I'm going to be Steve Rogers. I, I say it <laughs> while crying every day. But this is the, the episode where we start getting into uh, Bucky and Sam's buddy cop dynamic. Bucky kind of joins Sam's mission as he's just invites himself into Sam's mission when right. he's going to find out more about the Flag Smashers. And he's just kind of, why'd you give up the shield? Why'd you give up the shield? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you doing? Huh? I'm coming with you. I haven't gotten an answer yet, so I'm going to jump on this plane with you. And then Bucket jumps out of the plane to fly. He's like, I don't need a parachute anyway, and just jumps out. He lands on his back, and he's all sprawled out. And Sam has that line where he goes, you know I got all that on video, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> and then we get into the uh, big epic truck fight scene, which seems to happen in everything. I thought the fight scene was all right. I thought it was interesting. Nothing really great about it. All of them seem to be kind of the same at this point, so uh, nothing really stood out to me about it. We'll get into it when they fight John Walker. I thought that was a good one, but yeah, I mean, every fight scene is just hitty, smashy, grabby. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are. I mean, I'm not taking away from the actors and all that. It's just they're fight scenes for the sake of moving the plot forward. Yeah. One big question that I have in a lot of these scenes, which struck me on this one, because these scenes always seem to end with somebody falling off the back of the truck and landing on the car that's driving behind them. Why the fuck are people following those trucks so closely when they see people fighting on top? Who I, would drive that closely behind a truck with people fighting on top? I, it's never been brought up to me before, but I wholeheartedly agree. If I saw somebody on a semi drop kicking some dude with a metal arm, just standing I, up there, you wouldn't follow that no, closely. I would take the next exit. Right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I make stop. a phone call. I just stop. <laughs> yeah. I will not be following that truck. <laughs> There's some shady shit going on in that truck. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would want to see how it ends, but I don't want them landing on my windshield. <laughs> they have helicopters for a reason. I'll catch it on the news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the interesting way that Sam and Bucky got taken out of that fight by Sam flying in at really high speed underneath the truck to that save was really Bucky cool. from getting hit by the... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did some really cool, interesting stuff with yeah, Falcon. Where Bucky can like hang on to the trailer with his metal arm and yeah, She's Bucky. sitting there kicking his hand. He's like, I don't care that yeah, it's metal. I don't feel it. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Could you please stop that so I can pull myself up? Yeah. <laughs> I need a do-over here. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, it's a really important scene where Bucky decides to tell Sam about Isaiah Bradley, which, again, comic nerds got really excited for this. And interestingly enough, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up or not, but I, I will. Right before this episode came out, I had a friend on Facebook post something about why does Captain America always have to be white? He's not. And I brought up Isaiah, and I brought up Patriot, and I, I kind of told her about those stories. And she's like, oh, that is really cool, and I, I'm happy to hear they didn't shy away from the America's history of horrible treatment of black men. No, I mean, Isaiah Brightly is a direct line to Tuskegee experiments right. and stuff like that. I don't think they shied away from that at all, especially in this. Right, and that's what she was saying, yeah. is I'm glad they didn't shy away from it. Yeah, I mean... I, she just didn't know about it. She just wasn't yeah. a comic book person. And I think they hammered on it pretty hard in this series. It's one yeah. of the things that I like about it is, yeah, America did horrible things in the past. Right, and but <laughs> and we're addressing it. Yeah. And, and that's they, they did a great job with that. I don't want to get too far in the weeds with that, but... 
We meet Isaiah, which I'm so glad that character exists. I have two questions about him because you're bigger into this. Would Isaiah be weapon zero? Because Steve Rogers is weapon one. Right. Isaiah was after Steve. Oh, I thought he was before Steve. No, he was They experimented on it with him to give it to Steve. No, this was, they were trying to recreate it after Steve. And they were using these people to experiment and figure out. That's why they kept failing and everything like that. Got it. Steve was the first attempt. Got it. And that's why they're trying to find just the right person. At least that's the way I understood it. And then after Steve died, they wanted more. Yeah, and that's where they got the Carlys and the Flag Smashers and stuff. Well, no, 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 no. That's where they got Isaiah and them. And then later... Oh, when they thought he died. And then Hydra was using it in the Soviet Union and stuff, and that's where he got Winter Soldier. That's where Bucky got the serum. That's where Bucky got his serum. And then... Because that was my follow-up was, when did Bucky get it? Yeah. He got it as Winter Soldier from Hydra in the Soviet Union. But then Dr. Nagel, they talk about it in this next episode. But they talk about Dr. Nagel took... he He was part of the Hydra trying to recreate it recently. And then when Hydra broke up, he was hired by the CIA in order to, to continue his work on it and try to figure it out. He had figured out a way to make it, and then he got blipped away. He got snapped. Or snapped Remember, away. snap yeah. versus blip. And then when he <laughs> blipped back, they had discontinued, and so... He went to work for the power broker. He went to broker. work for the power broker, and he created it, and he had adjusted it to and, and streamlined it so that it didn't have a physical effect on your body's like composite, like the way your body looks. And it, I think he had said there wasn't as much mental, but you could see that there was. And that was actually kind of a funny way to like cop out of like having a jacked Chris Evans running around. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, people can look normal and still have the super soldier serum. It's cool. <laughs> so then you don't know who's got it or not. Right. I think that was probably what they tried to weave into his point was yeah, it exactly. could be me or you. Right. Exactly. So we'll dive into it, the social commentary of it later, but this is where they start talking about like the racism that exists and what it's like to be a black man in America and especially like being accepted as a black man in America. And then they immediately go from Isaiah being like, no, I hate it. You know, everything sucks. They screwed me over. Immediately they go outside, uh, Sam and Bucky are leaving, they're arguing in the street, and they get stopped, and even though Bucky's the one that's pushing the argument, Sam is the one that's almost arrested, until they realize who he is. Don't go too deep into it. I I know what you want to say. I'm not going to get too nuts, but uh, for the listeners, we're like two white dudes. Right. I think a shade of porcelain. Pretty close. (laughs) Yeah. Eggshell, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I'm the guy with long, dark hair, and Mike, he's bald. Which Mostly one of us? choice. Which of us is going to get in the cop car, most likely? Probably you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'll say about the cop stuff. So at the end of that, it's actually Bucky that ends up getting arrested <laughs> because he misses court-mandated therapy. John Walker gets them out of prison, and he immediately, Sam and Bucky are both summoned to therapy. Which I love was, that scene. It was a hilarious scene. <laughs> They're forced to face-to-face and talk to each other, and then they have a staring contest. <laughs> How old are you? And then Bucky just kind of looks at her like out of the side of his face. <laughs> oh, you want to stare at each other? He's going to be great at this. He's going to love it. I do love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because Sam always says that. He goes, 
You're just going to stare at him all day and look angry? <laughs> right. That was Up to this point, it was an ongoing issue that that's all he does is just stare all the time. But I really like how, how quickly it breaks down into Bucky saying again, why did you give up the shield? And it, he ends up bringing it back to, if Steve was wrong about you, then that means he was wrong about me. That says a lot about Bucky. Because exactly. he needs that reaffirmation, and he doesn't have anybody anymore. Right. Steve was the only one that understood him. Yeah, he's the only one that could possibly understand him. When they were growing up as kids, Bucky was like the stable one. He had a family. Yeah. And then Steve would always hang out with him at his place. And then as they grew up and grew on and weird Marvel shit happens, it flip-flopped. You know, Steve took care of Bucky and made sure he had what he needed. And, right. you know, you can, you know, you can kind of see that stuff in the background. Which goes to the great acting of Sebastian Stan. Yeah. And I get it. If X right. equals Y, Y equals Z, then, well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, he's looking at it saying, Steve was the only one that believed in me. And he believed in you. that I could be Bucky. And if he was wrong about you, then maybe he was wrong about me. And I'm really still Winter Soldier. Yeah. And that's his struggle throughout up to this point and throughout most of the series is, am I Bucky or am I Winter Soldier? Or I think he even says it throughout the season, or that other guy's still in there. So I think we can argue that he's making a point of, am I both? Right, yeah. yeah. How much of the Winter Soldier was yeah. me versus yeah. being programmed? Yeah, because he says that if he remembers, that other guy's still there. At one point, Zemo says, see how quickly he goes back to being Winter Soldier or something like that. Yeah, there's a little like throwaway line. Yeah. Zemo was really good at those little little lines that would make uh, really good points. I, we'll come back to a couple yeah, of those. I was horribly sympathetic to Zemo. Yeah. But then, Even uh, a stupid dance. <laughs> <laughs> but then in response to Bucky's, if he's wrong about you, then he's wrong about me, you get Sam saying, I did what I thought was right. Which kind of pushes to later down the road... When Bucky ends up coming back to Sam and saying, I'm sorry, I didn't understand what it would be like for a black man to take the shield. That's quite a bit of like social commentary yeah. and racism in America right. and hitting on real things. And it's Bucky realizing it because once again, he went to sleep right. for 90 years. He just hit people in the face and went to sleep and then had well, to like a year in Wakanda. And it's yeah. also he's a very good looking white male. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't understand what it's like to be. And he even says, Steve and I, neither one of us understood what it was like to be a black man. Yeah. And, and so it, it all comes together in a great character arc for both characters throughout this story. Next up on this, we, we kind of find out that, or this is where we find out about the refugee camps for the displaced people, which we already talked about that, so I don't want to get into that again. But we also find out that the power broker is now coming after the flag smashers for the theft because they took something that belonged to... They took the serum. And we didn't know it was a serum yet, but yeah. we just knew they took it. I don't think we knew it was a serum yet. So for me, I already kind of talked about it. I love that this episode just started the talk or the at least the ideas, the threads that were going to get pulled on for the social commentary later down the line. I like the Bucky and Sam relationship development. Like, we'll talk about that a little bit more later, too. But I like how it kind of sets up that while they act like they hate each other and they're angry with each other, there's a, a mutual respect there. I think it's almost like a buddy ribbing when you get to the end of it. Yeah. I don't want to get too far into it, but I think part of it, too, was kind of a jealousy where each one wanted to be Cap's best friend. When I saw the end of Endgame and I thought he was going to give up the shield, I thought Bucky was going to pick it up. Yeah. 
because in my head, that was the natural order of things. And when they gave it to Falcon, I was like, whoa, what we got going on here? I, they didn't seem that close in the movies. They were buddy-buddy. Yeah. They were on the same side of the Civil War, but it's not like they had like that close personal relationship that Sam and Bucky had. Yeah, not quite as close. But yeah. like it was like Bucky is Cap's old friend and Sam is Steve's new friend. Yeah. And they didn't really know how that put them together. And even, I mean, in Civil War, they kind of, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. They were like looking for a genuinely good person. Right. Is what it boiled down to. And I think Steve saw that in Sam. Yeah. Just like a genuinely decent human being. And Steve would say, Bucky has his flaws. And he yeah. does. He absolutely yeah. does. That's well, and there was kinda... also, Bucky was an international criminal. So I kind mean... of seen that way. So I think Bucky understood that. And yeah. in this, they actually, again, going back to when you were saying it, when Steve and I talked about it, about giving you the yeah, shield. Like, so like they'd Steven. already had a conversation yeah, before then. They had that talk. And then at the end of Endgame, you kind of get the feeling that Bucky knew what Steve's plan was from the start. Yeah, because he hangs back a few steps. Exactly. So he already knew that he was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so before Steve even went back in time, they'd already had the discussion. Or Steve came back in time and met, on, met with him and then sat on the park bench. That could be yeah. too. Anything else for episode two that you wanted to... Any thoughts there? God, we're only on episode two. <laughs> yeah, we got ahead of ourselves and talked a lot about the stuff that we're going to talk about later. Ah, got it. No, I'm cool. All right, moving on to episode three, The Power Broker. Really, storyline-wise, there wasn't a lot to this episode. There was a lot of fighting, basically. I like the Zemo breakout of prison. Yeah, that was Like, neat. where Bucky's talking about it. He goes, hypothetically speaking, if a couple people hypothetically started a fight hypothetically pulled a fire alarm <laughs> and hypothetically stole a uniform. And then he gets done with it with Zemo walking <laughs> yeah. in the door. <laughs> I'm just saying that these things could happen and uh, I didn't tell you because I thought you'd be mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how these things work. We actually start this episode with a commercial about the Global Repatriation Council that we talked about earlier. This is where we get the introduction to what it is. And their, their idea of reset, restore, rebuild, where basically they're trying to set everything back to the way it was pre-snapping. Yeah, yeah pre-snap. And uh, I mean, it seems like a fairly holistic thing, like just try to accommodate all the people that are coming in. I mean, an influx of 3.5 billion people globally has got to be straining on everything. Right. But at the same time, you bring the government into it and it becomes a bureaucratic nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're going right. to need cards. They're going to have to fill out forms. And so so much paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> you have to reprove that you are alive again somehow. So you know, I'm standing right here. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm the same person I was five years ago. <laughs> Just been out. I went and got cigarettes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my dad. <laughs> you leave my dad out of this. <laughs> So a lot of this episode actually comes down to it. They get Zemo out of prison, which we already talked about, and Zemo takes them to Madripoor, which is really exciting again to comic book nerds that they introduce Madripoor. I'm vaguely familiar with Madripoor. It's just kind of like a, it's a pirate den. 
Yeah, it was originally a pirate den, but the reason that us nerds were excited about it is because a lot of Wolverine stories happen uh, in Madripoor. I do know that. And so it opens up another way of bringing... I mean, they're just, they just keep cracking open the doors and windows to the X-Men being brought into MCU. Uh, it'll happen fairly soon, I think. It, it's it's coming. When they go to Madripoor, they dress Sam up as Smiling Tiger, which I think is just, just for the humor side of it, because they, they throw some humor in this, and... Some of it, yeah. some of it works. Some of it doesn't. I can't run in these heels. Yeah, <laughs> it's they use the general MCU method for it, but it didn't work as well in this one. I don't think some of it, some of it fell flat. I thought it was just a shady town. I, I meant the humor part. Oh, the the, the humor, the MCU humor yeah. fell flat in, a, in some of the areas. I didn't think it was a particularly funny episode. I thought it was just kind of an arc to like move the story. Yeah. I'm saying generally throughout yeah. this series, throughout the six episodes, the way they use the MCU humor didn't work as well in this series as it did in, other, in everything else. I think there's some times where it felt more out of place, kind of like the way that when they forced it into DC, but not as bad. As a series, I you know, come to think of it, I didn't really think there were funny moments. I just thought it was fun to watch. Yeah, there there was yeah. <laughs> there was joke lines that were put in there, easily missed joke lines, the same way they do yeah. in the the movies and stuff. That just for me, they they fell flat. So, some of them really worked, but some oh, of yeah. them fell. Flat. Now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, it wasn't particularly funny. It was just fun. When they get in there, they meet with uh, Selby, who works for the power broker. And during that meeting, Sam gets found out, so guns are drawn, and then a sniper takes out Selby. Which then starts a big epic, everybody's hunting them, and there's giant fight scenes everywhere as they're trying to find the doctor that made the serum. And that's most of the episode, is really just being chased by the bounty hunters. But one question I have is, who actually was the sniper that killed Selby? Sharon Carter. I thought that too, but Selby was Power Broker's right-hand person. Why would she kill her own right-hand person? Because at this point, uh, I mean, didn't know that she was the power broker. The power broker, I don't think, is above knocking off their right-hand man. No, but what purpose did it really give for her? Maybe to set up to where she comes in as the hero so she can get brought and, back to America. But And she knows she's that she's in good with Sam and Bucky, and she can negotiate that pardon. I took it that way, and that's probably what they meant, but that there's... If it wasn't, that's the case, that it means a lot of things have to go just right for her in order to, for this well, to Well, yeah, and she'd have to get like five blocks away to shoot the other five guys that are chasing them down right. later. And, and then she just and, happens to be around the corner when they get down. Out yeah, of the I, I get it, but this kind of goes back to my like Transformers analogy. If you're watching a movie like Transformers, you're not going for Oscar-worthy content. You're going to watch two robots beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's my solution to this one is I'm gonna say she hired a, a sniper and said if things go bad, kill her, not them. I could get down with that. Hey, that's what happened. Yeah. It's canon now. <laughs> because we said it. So they find the doctor, Dr. Nagel, uh, who's the one that we talked about earlier that created the new version of the super soldier serum. And Zemo just flat out shoots him and kills him before they can do much. And they must flee from there. Death and destruction happens, and it ends with them getting away. Bucky kind of walks away from them because he notices that the Wakandans are hunting Zemo. Yeah. Tends to happen when you kill a king. Yeah. He doesn't really so much walk away from them as he, he buys them time because he's kind of a big deal in Wakanda for a little bit still. 
and he lets them know what's up. They're giving you eight hours. So whatever we got to do, we got to do it in eight hours. Well, that doesn't happen until the next episode. Oh, I thought that was this one. No, this is like, basically, it's almost a credit scene of him walking down the hall and she shows up and he's like, you dropped this. That, that's how this one ends. And then it picks up at that okay. part at the next yeah, one. Yeah, I picked up there. For me, overall, the reason I liked what I liked about this one was all the little scenes with Zemo and Bucky and the conflict within Bucky of who am I, the identity crisis, and how Zemo just kind of kept poking at him, trying to figure out who are you. And Zemo pokes, and he brings up really good points, too. Mm -hmm. Like, what makes you so great that you think you deserve this, being the serum or whatever, even Sam, he goes, he talks about, Zemo talks about super soldiers are inherent supremacy. And he goes, what about Bucky? And Zemo doesn't really have an answer for that. Right. Because. I want to come back to that because I've got a whole section on just talking about okay. Zemo's ideas and stuff later. But I do, I've, that, that was one note on here too, is Zemo has some very valid points. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not wrong, but his methods. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anything else in that? I mean, again, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot in this episode. No, it was just a bridge to get you to the next place. Yeah. yeah. Well, moving on then to episode four, which kind of starts with a flashback of Bucky getting deprogrammed in Wakanda and her telling him that he's free. Yeah, we, we never saw that before. Right. We didn't know that we, he had been, act- or how they deprogrammed did it. Yeah, how they yeah. Well, we didn't really see how they did it here either. It just showed the final test. Where- yeah, but I mean, we just saw him being put on ice. Yeah. And then he wakes up in the next movie. And, and all of a sudden he's White Wolf. Yeah. We didn't know that they did anything. Did he just sleep Which, it off like a hangover or what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was also kind of a good a good throwback and a, and a funny thing where, you know, when we get reintroduced to him and we see them calling him White Wolf, which was a shout out to the comic books. Mm-hmm. And then this one, Sam was like, oh, what, what are you doing with the Wakandans? What, are you becoming the White Panther now? And he's like, actually, it's White <laughs> Wolf. <laughs> 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 and even Sam goes, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but then that's where we get the Dory Milaje allowing him the eight hours yeah. to work with Zemo to, to get the stuff figured out. Because he tells us, like, hey, we need him you in need- order to stop this this group. Yeah, there's a Once bigger threat. You can have him, but we yeah. need him. And so they're like, all right, we'll give you eight hours. After that, we take him. Which then goes on to that there's the funeral for Mother Donya who is the one that kind of took care of all the refugees and the one and yeah. Carly in particular, who was like a mother figure to her. Kind of like, like a nanny for yeah. everybody kind of just worked in the camp. And they, we, they bring up that uh, Carly's attack is, is bringing both more followers, but also a lot more attention. People coming down on governments. And yeah. They're starting to arrest people and calling them sympathizers. Yeah. And- so they, in panic, they kind of leave, they get their, the rest of their supply of the serum that they had stole the last of it. They talk about how they're going to fight Captain America and more specifically that they did, they think the shield should be destroyed. There should be no more governments. There's that point that, you know, you shouldn't lionize people. Right. You know, we shouldn't be, build statues to anybody. That kind of thing is kind well, of what they're going well, at. Well, that's that was Zemo's point. Their point was there should not be any more symbols for specific groups of people. Oh, like there shouldn't be a symbol for America, like, yeah, a exactly. symbol for China, exactly. or a symbol and, for Russia. Right, and they see, okay. they're not looking at Captain America as a person, they're looking at Captain America and the shield specifically as a symbol that should not exist Got it. anymore. At least that's how I understood it. In this one, John Walker try, like joins up with Sam and Bucky as they're going, he just kind of keeps showing up. 
air quotes joins up. He yeah. just kind of like barges himself into the situation. Right. And he, he <laughs> basically tries to force Sam and Bucky into fighting the Flag Smashers, but they eventually convince him to give Sam 10 minutes to try to end it peacefully to just talk to her. That's where we get the, the interesting conversation where Sam is just having a conversation. He's using his therapy skills from when he used to run the help group to talk to her he, and talk her, let her talk herself through what process And from is. what you're seeing, he's doing a great job at Fantastic it, too. Fantastic job. Yeah, like he, she's like de-escalating and she's, she's actually having herself. To, yeah, and, she's yeah. having to think about herself. But I, li- I really like the line where he said, because she said, I'm just trying to make the world a better place. And he says... It isn't a better place if you're killing people. He's not wrong. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's but, the methods that we I were s- talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when I stop to think about it, though, is she's also trying to save people because how many people are getting killed? How many more people would be getting killed if she does nothing? It, yeah. It, it almost goes into the Superman dilemma of choosing who dies. Yeah, because you're only one person and two people fall off the bridge. Who do you right. grab? Well, with Superman, it's he can hear and see everything that's happening. He knows he can't save everybody in the world, so who does he respond to? Who does he pick? And that's a valid argument back. But unfortunately, John Walker decides that uh, to go in early. He gave him enough time. He's getting anxious. He wants to get into the fight. Yeah, he got all antsies and pansies. Yeah, so he goes in. They start a big fight. Well... He goes in to fight, but it really starts a big chase scene. And through that, Zemo ends up finding Carly and shoots her and then sees the vials that she was carrying and starts breaking all the super soldier vials until he's finally hit in the face and knocked out by the shield because John Walker knocks him out. And then he finds one final remaining super soldier vial. And of course he ends up taking it. I think that speaks a lot to Zemo too. I mean, he's, he has his ideals. He didn't pick one up and take it for himself. It was just destroy them. You know, I mean, he say what you want about the baddie. He didn't waver. That's true. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would see that power and take it. Right. And they, they kind of gave it a second to see, is he going to take mm-hmm. it or not? And then he just starts smashing them. And yeah, it was... I can respect a guy who has values. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of finished off with the power broker, basically telling Carly that she's coming after her now. Then the flag smashers decide that they're going to kill, I put in here, Captain America. I can't call him Captain... I know he's Captain America throughout these episodes. I can't call him that. I know he was in the books, too, for a little while. I always called him U.S. fucking agent when I was referring to him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's right away. When they're like, the new Captain America, John Walker. I was like, oh, it's U.S. agent. Yeah. Okay, it's U.S. agent. Yeah. Oh, no, he's Captain America. No. 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 He's U.S. agent. Is his name Steve, Sam, or Bucky? Then no, he's not Captain America. (laughs) And then there's the probably to me the best fight scene in the whole thing. Hundred percent agree with you. The, the Dora Milaje come for Zemo. They fight. And I really like how the fight starts is just Battlestar and U.S. Agent fighting the Dora Milaje. Just getting their ass, and they're just sitting there just watching. And then when <laughs> Sam and Bucky get kind of caught up into it, and then Zemo's sitting there kind of sipping his tea, watching it. And he's yeah, like, I, All right, it's time to go. Yeah, it starts, and they're like watching. And then he goes, we should probably intervene. <laughs> you know, yeah. So nobody and, gets and hurt. And the like, hey, wa- watch your left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you brought up Battlestar, and I have a question about that character, too. So who is he? Lamar. I know he's Lamar, but like... 
I don't know him from the books at all if he was in the books or not. Because but like, in this, basically, he was his co-soul. Like he went on missions with. Yeah, him he was like the number yeah. two. But in I think the first or second episode where they're in the jeep, mm-hmm. and he goes, "I'm Lamar," and he goes, "Well, when you're hanging out of a helicopter in like tactical gear, I need a little more than that." He goes, "Well, they call me Battlestar," and Bucky gets all pissed off and says, "Stop the jeep." Yeah. And I didn't know if that was like Bucky's code name when Captain America ran around. or No, I, I think it's just like you're giving yourself a code name. Really? No, no I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. Got it. I really like this fight where they're just like, they're not even trying to like stop the fight. They're just diffusing the situation where they grab the spears as they're trying to throw them and yeah. pull them back. But I really like like it, the end of it, you know, after they kick Walker's ass horribly <laughs> you're just sitting there like basically crying he's like they weren't even super soldiers yeah. <laughs> which is why he ends up taking this the serum because he realizes that he's now in a world where he may have been the best in the military but he's in a world where he's not the he, best on the planet exactly he's yeah. even other humans are better yeah. than him i mean you could argue he's not even top 10 yeah exactly oh, not even close and he's realizing that he went from being the thought of as the best to being oh you're just you're person. just a dude. Yeah. So then this is the episode where Carly kind of half threatens Sam's sister. So they go to meet her. I wouldn't call that half a threat. She yeah. went down the rabbit hole, researched a guy, found out he had nephews, and then said their names on the phone and said it would be a shame if something would happen to them. Yeah. <laughs> but she also said that I'm really only calling you because I need to find out if I need to kill your brother. And then right away when Sam meets with her, she's like, I would never hurt her. She's like, it would not further my cause in any way. It would have no reason to hurt her. I mean, she knows that. But the sister doesn't. But the sister doesn't. Yeah, I mean, and Sam doesn't for sure. Yeah, yeah. and so, I mean, in order for something to be a threat, it doesn't have to be real. But I don't remember <laughs> if she ever, like, flat out said, or I'm coming after you, but it she, kinda hint- she hinted at it. She, yeah, she it seemed implied. Threats. Sam goes to meet her alone like he's supposed to, but Bucky's like, no, no, I'm going with you. And so they, As he should, as a good friend, yeah. I would think. And so they show up, and then, of course, before they can even get anywhere in the conversation, of course, Walker tracks him down, starts a fight, and in that fight, Carly punches Lamar so hard that he flies into a pillar and dies. Causes uh, Walker to freak out, and he brutally kills one of the members with a shield in front of an audience. That's probably the most brutal MCU death I've seen. Probably. Just, I mean, I was shocked I didn't see him decapitated. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and, and that was also one of the most John Walker scenes. It was, I mean, we've seen people die in the MCU, people get shot, whatever, but to beat a dude with the sharp edge of a vibranium shield to death, I mean, don't get me wrong, I liked it. I mean, it showed what John Walker is. And it showed how the serum has already started affecting his mind. Mm-hmm. So episode five is Truth, uh, where Walker ends up fighting Sam and Bucky at the beginning and rips off Falcon's wings, which was brutal, but they're mechanical. So eh. it, it seemed brutaler than yeah. it actually was in hindsight. It, it felt really like just, oh, man, that had to hurt. And then you're like, oh, wait, yeah, just visceral. Yeah. yeah, I think is the word I would use. But then you get the really brutal part. When they just snap his arm to get the shield away from him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I mean, I understand the symbolism of the shield and all that, but I don't know why. I mean, I could see where it'd be really important for Bucky to get it away from him. 
Well, but it's important for Sam because that's his shield. He was entrusted to it by Steve. Now this guy who is going to diminish the symbol and the value of that shield. Yeah, you see that the way when he's using it. You see that when Sam's like he's almost crying and he's trying to rub the blood off of it. Yeah. I get that. So basically they're like you don't deserve this. You're not the symbol that can stand with this. We're taking it away. You're not Steve's standard. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're not you're not living up to it. You're not even close. So you don't get it anymore. <laughs> they break his arm to get the shield away from him and then he gets discharged. Other than honorable discharge from the military with no longer having any rank and no longer having any benefits. Understandably upsetting for him. Yeah. I mean, when he comes out of the car and you see all the chest candy on him, he's been around. Exactly. Yeah. And they make a big deal of saying that he won, like, he's the only person to win three medals of honor. And Again, on paper, perfect person for it. Yeah. But, and in this scene, he gets violently upset and he's like, look, I was doing what you, what you bred me to do. I think the exact line is, you made me, you made me and I've only ever done what you've told me to do. Right. Once again, makes him kind of a sympathetic villain. If all he's been doing is for his entire life is what people tell him to do and he does what people tell him to do. Yeah. He's kind of an anti-hero. I wouldn't call him that. But in the, like the books and stuff, that's kind of what he ends yeah. up becoming. He will do heroic things in very non-heroic ways. I would say he's a bad person that occasionally does good things. I don't find John Walker to be a good human being. I guess that's a good point, because in this, they do a lot of telling but not showing. John Walker's characters, that they tell you a lot about how good of a person he is, but they never show it. I think that's the point. If they show him being a good person, and then it makes him a sympathetic character. But if they start off saying, hey, we've got this guy, he's great, but he's actually an asshole, I think it actually shows you more. But he wasn't really an asshole until the super soldier serum brought that more out of him. I think he was kind of an ass to begin with. He had asshole tendencies, but he was still always trying to do the right thing. I don't debate that he tries to do the right thing. I mean, what's in his head souping around with serum, I mean, I don't think that is anything of itself. I mean, I don't think his motives are bad. I just think he's a shitty human being. Well, before he kills the guy in cold blood and retribution for killing Lamar, the only real asshole thing he'd done up to this point was when he didn't give Sam the full 10 minutes before running in. And that was because he's like, it's not working... In his head, he'd convince himself that it wasn't working. He needed to go save Sam. Once again, I disagree with his methods. I'm not asking you to agree with his methods. I'm not agreeing with his methods. I think that what it brings up is, like, he had all these missions before, right? How did he achieve them? Actually gives you a lot to, like, think about about, on were all his, like, super secret stuff before he was Captain America, were they carried out ethically? You know, most likely not because, you know... There was one conversation where him and Lamar actually said, if they knew how we got it done, we wouldn't have gotten those medals. But it also showed him feeling bad about he didn't want to do it that way. Yeah. So, which goes into what we're saying before. He's a guy that he will do whatever it takes to get the job done. So, you want to be careful in how you use him because he's going to do whatever it takes. If I mean, if you have a Swiss Army knife, right, and you want to stab something, he's the corkscrew. The most violent way to do it. all right i'll go with that so uh after he gets discharged uh he gets 
confronted by Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Call her Val for short. Actually, don't call her that. I'm going to go out of my way to call her Val because I know in like <laughs> some like third dimensional parallel universe reality, it pisses her off. So I'm pretty sure in every reality, it pisses her off. That's what. Hi, Val. <laughs> actually, at the very end, he calls her Val and she's like, don't call me that. He's like, sorry. <laughs> Which I'm guessing all of the flood of spoilers and everything about who Val is. Because by now we're supposed to have seen Black Widow, so we're guessing she's probably in that somewhere, and we're supposed to know who she is by now, but we don't. A lot of comic book nerds know who she is. I'm not, I don't want to talk about that here, because I don't want to spoil it if you don't know, because as everybody knows, that drives me nuts. I wasn't really sure who she was, because I didn't know her by that name, but then I was watching something, and they just casually dropped in who it was. I'm like, oh, okay, now I know who that is, so that's mm-hmm. great. I don't think that matters because I'm not going to name drop it either, but I don't know who they name drop in is anyway. <laughs> but I do. And, <laughs> and I could very much see that being a very epic holy shit moment when you find out for somebody that doesn't know. So I don't want to spoil that. And I'm slightly upset that I know. So from here the, uh, in the story, the Flag Smashers, like they Sam kind of got everything taken away from him for like for military he can't go really after the flag smashers anymore the government's taken over the military's taken over yeah they benched him yeah and so he just kind of tells his buddy torres to just keep searching keep monitoring and let him know when the fight is so he goes off and he he, uh takes a shield to isaiah where uh, he learns more about isaiah's history which we'll get into later I, i guess the one big quote from the conversation isaiah that i took from it was They would never let a black man be Captain America, and even if they did, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be. I think that stuck with Sam and made him go the other way. Which is why Sam makes a speech the way he does. Yeah. Because in the next episode, you see Sam's thinking about it and struggling with it. You also forgot that he left the wings with Torres to make him the next Falcon. Maybe. (laughs) Probably. It it happened in the books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of intentionally left that out because we don't really know for sure, and I just don't I'm know how important that is yet. But <laughs> after he, the conversation with Isaiah, he just goes back, starts working on the boat uh, with his family, calls in the favors, you know, shows that like his whole family have always been good to people, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to ask yeah. for community help to fix this, which I think is awesome, showing there is at least still some semblance of community. Well, yeah, I, it kind of doubles back on when... Three and a half billion people got snapped. People came back together. And now those three and a half billion people came back. People still came together. I think a little bit. A little bit of that. But I also think, again, going to the social commentary of even when things are bad, people can still work together. Yeah. And people can still care about each other. Do good for others. Maybe it'll come back to you. Don't be an ass. During this, the Flag Smashers end up going back to their home base, only to find that it had been raided and everyone had been arrested for aiding and abetting international fugitives. And it starts Carly on a very epic rant where she starts, you start to see her becoming more and more violent. And in this, she just screams, how many of us have to die just to be citizens of this goddamn planet? I think that's the moment when she becomes radicalized. Yeah, I I agree. Once again, she's not wrong. This is the yeah. point where she decides, I'm willing to die for this cause. I mean, more so, I'm willing to kill as many people as it takes that for too. this cause. Yeah. 
So going over and it ended up getting after the fight Bucky had left. And so we find out he he tracked down Zemo and he's basically like, Yep, this is over. Holds a gun directly into Zemo's face and click. Empty. I think that was showing Zemo that he's not a killer anymore. Yeah, exactly. You he's know, like, yeah. he's, he's <laughs> proving the point he goes, of, I am not I the could Winter have. Soldier. <laughs> he, he even drops the bullets like, they were there. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not the Winter Soldier. I'm not an assassin. I'm not killing you. Yeah, I, I think that was intentional on Bucky's yeah, part. It was. Yeah. It was. I, just, I, just th- I just thought it was cool. He's like, yep, I'm going to shoot you in the face with an empty gun. <laughs> Didn't um, even pistol whip a Marine. No. no. <laughs> and then so... Then the Dora Milajis show up and, and take Zemo to the raft, which, I mean, we had seen the raft, but this is the first time they call it the raft, which, again, as a comic book nerd, yeah. super exciting to be to hear the raft. And then he returns to Sam with his, uh, his case of Wakanda wings. We don't see the wings yet, but we see the case. And he helps Sam with the boat, uh, helps him learn how to use the shield, and they became he, best friends. Yeah, he flirts with his sister. Flirts with his sister, <laughs> which every best friend will do. <laughs> and then, uh, basically, the the end of the episode is you got to have a montage. Montage. Even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> so you know, it shows him learning and becoming more fit, and learning how to use the shield correctly, and get all flippy flippy. Yeah, and like the throwing the shield part seemed weird to me. Because, like, when he's hanging out with Bucky earlier, they're just kind of lobbing it back and forth right, and taking catch. turns, you know? Yeah. And then in this scene, he has, like, the first, like, two or three minutes of it. He can't catch the thing. He well, can't. but when with the him and Bucky, it's only Bucky's the one catching it. He's throwing it, but Bucky's catching no, it. No, Sam's catching it, too. But it was, like, a difficult catch. Like, but, he didn't yeah, catch it Yeah, I mean, well. they're not... He's not throwing it aggressively. They're, right. like, throwing it like a Frisbee. But, uh, the, but then he's throwing a little more aggressively and trying to like acrobatically catch it. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's being more tactical with it. But I mean that that was like one little like hoopty. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I kept looking at it going as hard as they would have to throw that for it to bounce back that far. It would just go into what it's hitting. But my under my understanding is that vibranium is weird. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's I mean, really the only answer. Yeah, you, vibranium you, does whatever you need it to do. Yeah, it, you have to suspend your laws of physics because vibranium. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it'll just bounce off the tree. But if it's in spear form, it'll just, anyways. Yeah, and, you know, it's supposed to absorb whatever. It, 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 it absorbs kinetic energy. Yeah. But that's that's my point, though. If it yeah. absorbs kinetic energy, how is it bouncing? It should just, like, die yeah. flat. Yeah, it's vibranium. Yeah. <laughs> In the books, it's in a vibranium adamantium alloy, but in this, it's just vibranium. Yeah, they became best friends. Got to have a montage. The very end of it, uh, we find out the power broker hires Batroc the Leaper to work with the Flag Smashers to target the senators that are working on the Global Repatriation Council. So at this point, we know that the power broker is yep. Sharon. Yep. So I don't know. Did she hire him to lure them out? Because she's very obviously working with Sam and Bucky. Yeah. Or she's just, you know, I could see her playing both sides. She's playing both sides. Basically, she hires Batroc to help the Flag Smashers so that the Flag Smashers will come back and work for her again. Because Carly even makes that comment of, you just want super soldiers. Well, yeah. And she's like, well, yeah. You know, it's an asset. Yeah, exactly. So she hires Batroc, and, and he agrees for it because he wants to kill Falcon, Falcon from for episode him at one. the beginning in episode one. Not really a whole lot else for me to talk about on episode five, I don't think. I'm good. All right. 
So, and again, episode six, kind of same thing. It's it's the big epic conclusion where nothing really happens. Yeah, well, episode, a lot happens, yeah, but nothing happens. Episode six is the big climantic fight scene. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, they kidnap the senators. They put them on trucks, and you have the uh, Tammy Duckworth reference of the female Asian helicopter pilot trapped in the yeah. helicopter. John Walker kind of redeems himself a little bit. Yep. You know, he pulls. You, you, you kind of see him. He fights about it. He, 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 you see that internal struggle where he's realizing throughout the last couple episodes, you see him kind of tweaking his neck or his head a little bit, like he's fighting internally something. Yeah. He's realizing what's going on, and in this one, he sees it and he just throws down the shield to go instead of fighting what he he knew his Look. goal. He needed to kill that person. But he decides these people need me more than that. Yes. He throws down the shield yeah. and he saves the Yeah, you know, he saves 15 people as opposed well, to killing them. He tries one. to, and then he gets dogpiled on. Well, yeah. I, and then I, Falcon ends up having I to I mean, do it, but. effort counts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the, basically what happens with this episode is that it's the attack on the council. They kidnap everybody. There's a, one group goes out by helicopter and the pilot, of course, is part of the flag smashers. Mm-hmm. So they're taking them. And then two groups go into armored vehicles, which are locked shut so they can't get out. And then they are hijacked by flag smashers, which is where the, the fight takes place. I think a big point of it, too, is everybody shows off their, this isn't even my final form. <laughs> Well, um, it's always been Bucky's final form. Well, I mean, he's got a different outfit a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a half vest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's it's fighty fighty. There, there's good points to it. It's it's epic. It's fun. And there's the the. This is one of those scenes that I I like that it was there because that's kind of the conclusion of where they were going with it. But it felt really forced and out of place. Where. If you think about it, you're like, that's never actually going to happen. And it was two guys standing there watching, and one of them goes, it's Black Falcon. No, that's Captain America. I get where you're coming from, but I felt like they had to yeah. do it just to like show that the community has gotten on board with the idea of Sam being Captain America. It's that too, but it's also one thing. I don't remember where I heard it or where it was. One thing they said is, like, you never heard Steve saying, I'm Captain America. Everybody else called him Captain America. He called himself Steve. You don't really ever hear Sam saying, I'm Captain America. He does. When he first breaks into the room and they say, where are you, Falcon? He goes, no, it's Captain America. He goes, aren't you on the moon? You know, they make that throwaway moon joke. Oh, that's right. He does say that, doesn't he? (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess part of that, though, where I was going with it is throughout this entire series, John Walker keeps having to tell people he's Captain mm-hmm. America. It goes back to you and I had the same shop teacher, and he'd tell us if somebody has to tell you you're something, you're probably not. You mean you, if you have to tell yeah. other people what you are, then you're probably not. Yeah. Uh, if I tell you how tough I am, I'm probably not. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You're probably not. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> But yeah, there, there's that. After the big fight, Sam confronts the council, introduces himself to the world and as his new Captain America persona. And one of the big lines there, or, or he, he has this big epic speech. It's, it's terrific. I thought it was terrific too. We were on the emotional character journey and it was a perfect ending for that journey. Yeah. So a couple of lines that I picked out on that that I really liked was the first part of it was, we finally have a common struggle. And I don't remember exactly, I, I didn't get the exact quote down after that, but basically saying, now we all understand the struggle and hardships that many have faced. Meaning, look, it's always been 
the people making the rules and the policies are up here and the people that are struggling are down here and there was so much of a disconnect that nothing was going to help and there was no trust but now we all understand what these hardships and these struggles are so now is our chance to actually come together and make things right i kind of took it another way threw the politicians out of it and like the common struggle now is three and a half billion people now just got reacquainted with three and a half other billion people and holy shit we all have a common problem of how to reintegrate with all of that. What he also, part of it was he was saying, some of us have always struggled with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, for now sure. we're all struggling yeah, with it. You know, that, that's what I was what I was meaning. But yeah, I kind of took it as like, you know, some of us have problems and some of us have not. But now we all have this one problem. Right. I'm saying the same thing. I'm just saying it in a different way. Gotcha. Another part of it is he said, uh, who's in the room when you're making the decisions? The people that will impact are, the pe- are people like you. This girl died trying to stop you, and no one stopped for a second to ask why. And I think that was one of the most powerful lines. Those are like three incredible questions. Right. Because you and I will talk about it and do talk about it. Who's in the room when they make decisions? You and I aren't. That's for damn sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the people that impact more people like you... At the end of the day, humans are humans, and they always try to impact their best interests. Yeah. I mean, outside of Steve Rogers. <laughs> well, again, going back to basically this entire thing, the entire series is just a social commentary. And the commentary here is just saying, hey, look, you politicians aren't hearing the average Yeah, person. you're not on the ground floor. Yeah. Now is our chance for everybody to actually be heard. And I think the most powerful one is this girl died trying to stop right. you, and nobody asked why, is... How did this girl become radicalized? And more and so what, than that, how did this girl get this giant world following to allow her to do all this stuff, and you're not even stopping yeah. just to hear them? Yeah, and think of the overwhelming amount of effort that this girl, Carly, had to go through. She assembled people. She created an infrastructure. They, they, call, sh- they called her Robin Hood because she was stealing yeah. from the abundance she was, to give to people. She was stealing vaccines to give to people. She had an app network. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> she wasn't screwing around. She really, 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 really wanted to do this. Right. That's a lot of effort for, like, somebody to throw a temper tantrum. Yeah. And then after his speech, when he walks away, I thought of you immediately on this. Where Bucky's like, I was texting. I just heard something about black and stars and stripes. I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like me. <laughs> then also like uh afterwards one guy comes up to to falcon i guess captain america yeah now. he's cap now captain falcon <laughs> and says uh hey that the one guy that was in the water we fought we saw him can you can you help him before he get help before he gets away and he's like always yeah and i mean and just takes off yeah i mean that shows to me that steve made the right choice right yeah <laughs> and then we get into the five thousand endings Um, Zemo's butler kills the arrested flag smashers yeah you have evil Alfred fucking go after him that's the best (laughs) there's the they kind of restructure to the repatriation and resettlement act instead of what they were doing before which they don't really talk about what it is but they just they just call it that saying they're they're at least listening and going yeah different direction they described it a little bit if you listened in the background they basically said that they were going to take everybody and send them back to their countries of origin regardless of where they came from no that was the original plan yeah this one is better. Or yeah, that, the th- this, they one. just kind of mentioned that yeah. this title of they're doing something else now, we just don't know yeah. what that is. 
We get Val. Val. <laughs> Introducing us to U.S. agent. Yeah. The suit is the exact same, except has black stripes on it now. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's black and there's no A on it. Yeah. We get Bucky actually confessing to Yori and finishing his book. All the names are crossed off to his book. So he sends his book back to the therapist and with a note that says, thank you for all the help. Yeah. And, you know, you think about it, that had to be pretty tough for Bucky. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, friend, person I really like. So I killed your son. Well, I, I didn't mean, do it on purpose. I couldn't help it. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to us talking about the making amends part. Right. Yeah. I mean, he actually does make amends. Right. Yeah. By confessing and apologizing and telling him exactly what happened. Well, there was a part like he had done what he thought was that before. But then Sam brings up, he's like, you weren't actually making amends. You were avenging. Yes. That, I mean, and that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean, he was trying to make up for past junks by avenging. Right. He wasn't making amends. Right. Then you have Sam taking Isaiah to the new part of the Captain America Museum where it actually shows him and gives his history. I thought that was great. That was, I mean, yeah. I'd be lying if I didn't tear up, said I didn't tear up a little bit. Yeah, this guy was experimented on, had to fake his death, and now he finally has his little exhibit. And then we get the credit scene of Sharon getting her pardon and giving rank again, which then allows her double access as the power broker. And I really think, I mean, between some other stuff that happens and that, I think they're building up to reintroduce Hydra. Mm, well, yeah. I think there's going to be a new Hydra under Zemo. Zemo hated Hydra. I think in, it'll be... In the books, Zemo was part of Hydra. Yeah. There was two factions of Hydra. There was the Hydra that Zemo fought in this, and then there was Zemo's Hydra. And it's, it's one of those cut off one head, two more grow in its place. Yeah. Really, I thought one of the most compelling characters in this whole show was Zemo. I mean, he had a lot of good points. And Well, it, that's another thing going back to the books, though, is Hydra did have good points. So I don't want to go too far into the woods of this, but Secret Empire... Basically, it's the story where Red Skull basically used a cosmic cube to turn Steve Rogers into a Hydra agent. And Hydra wins, they take over, and everything is terrible, freedoms-wise. But generally speaking, the world is much better. People are happier, there's more abundant resources, there's like a lot of really, really good things to it, which is what makes that story interesting. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't want to go too far into the woods of that, and again, that's why Marvel, in my mind, is always so much better than DC is because there's it's so complex and there's there's nuances and there's like we talked about earlier, like the, the bad the guys have a point, yeah. and the good guys are flawed. Right, exactly. So I mean that that's about it. Any any thoughts generally on the last episode that we didn't talk about? Fight scenes were fun. John Walker kind of gets a little bit of a redemption arc, which is okay. I'm curious what they'll do with the power broker. Yeah. Like I said, I personally took it as, oh, okay, they're going to reinstitute Hydra. But maybe not. Maybe it's something else. Well, I think I'm good on that last episode. All right. So some other additional thoughts. I thought of this a lot throughout the series. How does Falcon actually control the wings in the jetpack? Because they seem to just immediately respond to his thoughts. But then at the same time, he has to verbally tell Red Wing what to do. I think those are like twofold. I get the Falcon suit thing. I think it has the same technology as Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. He just, like, moves stuff and it happens. Well, but Iron Man suit, it's a suit. Like, he moves his finger and it moves because yeah. his finger's in it. It's a glove. But, I mean, how did Iron Man get his shield out? Or Oh, that's true. You know, I just kind of chalk it up to, that's Tony Stark tech. You know, once again, vibranium. 
Yeah. <laughs> but at that point, when he when he had that stuff, it was because he'd actually like fused himself with it. Whereas this is just like a backpack you put. Unless there's maybe there's spinal cord connections that we don't know. Yeah, uh, we don't know that. Talking to Red Wing kind of because when I, we talked about this before, he's flying 200 miles an hour. If he goes to yell at something, they ain't going to hear him yeah. anyway. Well, <laughs> I understand. It's, it's really just because you have to tell the audience what Red Wing's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things I'm like, hey. <laughs> Another similar thing is, why do the Flake Smashers have the masks when they keep taking them off? I think symbology. Symbolism. Yeah, I mean, it's initially I'm like, okay, they're showing that they're, they're an organized group and they're trying to hide their identities, I guess. They keep putting it on like they're about to fight and then before they fight, they take it back off. Again. I don't think they're hiding. I think they're just well, initially so, they were yeah. hiding. I think they're just showing that they're one people. But what I'm saying though is, back like every time they're about to fight, they put the mask on, and then right before the fight starts, they take the mask back off again. Well, I mean, you got to get those SAG credits, man. Yeah, I. <laughs> and I think Zemo's was like strictly yeah. fan service. That, that's it, it, exactly. Yeah, that, it, it was cool to see it, but the same like, why did you wear it for thirty seconds? Just strictly fan service. That's the only reason it was there. Yeah. If he had it on throughout that entire, like, half that episode, I'd have been okay with it. Anyways, Sam's character journey. I think he grew quite a bit. He went from thinking that he didn't deserve to be who he was to accepting who he was. Yeah. And I say it that way because throughout the whole show, he's still Captain America, even if he doesn't want to admit it to himself. Just because he doesn't have the shield... The shield don't make the man. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also throughout it, getting into some woods with this that I don't really want to get into, but I think throughout this, he's also realizing that his experiences as a black man aren't necessarily the same experiences as other black men. And while he understands, he doesn't fully understand because of the world that he's in. And I think part like his dealings with Isaiah and realizing what Isaiah went through versus what he went through changed his opinion on some of the meanings and experiences, which really comes to fruition in that final speech. Yeah, the time in between. I could see that. But otherwise, I mean, Sam at the end isn't much different than Sam at the beginning. I think he's a slightly bolder version of himself. He's more confident. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. On the other hand, we get into Bucky's character journey. He's a different person at the end of it than I, the beginning. I think that's the big takeaway. Yeah. I mean, Bucky's dealing with PTSD. He's dealing with relationship issues. He doesn't know who he is anymore. He doesn't have any friends. He's and Then at the end of it, he's got a buddy cop. He's, quote unquote, made amends to at least one person. He, he feels whole. Yeah. He understands who he is. And he feels separated from the win- Winter Soldier, too. Yeah. Like, he recognizes that, yeah, he was that guy, but he's not that guy right. anymore. And, you know, he's still going to be dealing with PTSD, I think, and we'll see that later. Could be. I, um, I really like the one conversation he had with, with Sam during, you know, right before the montage, where Sam tells him, you got to stop letting other people tell you who you are. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, before, as the Winter Soldier, is because he was told to be the Winter Soldier. And then when he was coming back, it was because Steve was telling him what to do and who to be mm-hmm. to come back. He's doing what... Lokondans told him to do. Now he's in a spot where he can figure out who he is. Well, it, I mean, he even said it earlier himself, where for 90 years, I've been going from one fight to another, except for like one year in Wakanda when I had a little piece. You know, and to try to wrap your head around that, that that's a brutal life. Yeah. Explains yeah. why he sleeps on the floor. Yeah. 
again, he didn't understand, and he's still struggling with how do I live in this world when I still don't and, understand this world. Yeah, he understands he, how to use technology and stuff because he he's been around as the technology progressed. And he's adapted with it. Well, I mean, you see him, he works tablets, and but he's got to... culturally, a, yeah. he's still in the 40s. Between, like, 1940-something and 2000-something, he was just woken up for brief stints to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I found his journey to be one of, if not the most interesting part of the show. Yeah, I, I think his journey is why I enjoyed the show. And Falcon's journey is what made it more cognitive. What made me stop and think more. Yeah, because um, Falcon's character has a real good way of speaking truth to people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he sugarcoats anything, but you feel like you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the people that wrote the dialogue for this show, I hope they get awards. I think they should. Then we get into Bucky and Sam's relationship. I hit on it earlier about when I said it felt like it kind of started with anger, but respect. I've struggled a little bit in, in looking at it. It's acted so well that I feel like throughout this whole thing, the respect for each other stems from a mutual respect to and from Steve, where they're looking at each other going, okay, I respect you because Steve respected you. And if Steve respected you, you deserve respect. Steve picked you. You must deserve this. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and it went both ways. Yeah. And so I feel like that's where they started. And again, that kind of jealousy, I think, a little bit. And I think there's a little bit of that in there. But and, I, and they talk they... about it where Bucky and Steve talked about it beforehand anyway. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, I don't, I don't mean jealousy of the shield. I mean jealousy of the friendship. Oh. Like, he's my friend, not your friend. Yeah. He's all mine. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I think that's where it started. And then, again, it, it developed. Uh, did we just become best friends? Uh, I like the little, like, side gag that they had. You know, partners? No. No. Like, acquaintances. But we work together. Yeah. yeah so. Not co-workers, though. No, we just... no, no. We know we have a mutual friend, but that friend's dead. Uh... <laughs> so we're two guys who know each other. Yes. And occasionally work together. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I think that was more of a joke right. that they, you know. Where neither one of them wanted to admit. Yeah, well. Kind of like you and I do sometimes. Yeah, I think it was a callback to earlier. Yeah. When was... <laughs> but I, I think they did a good job of gradually getting them to that point. Yeah. I mean, even and if it, you look at, like, the earlier fight scenes, they fight separately. Yeah. And then in the last one, they fight together. Right. Like, even in the scene where they throw John Walker into Falcon so he can hit him really, really hard. And, and also, though, at the beginning, they're fighting separately, but they're still looking out for each other. Yeah. There's no ill will Brutally there. looking out for each other, yeah. but looking out for each other. Well, there's no <laughs> ill will there. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like that uh, Stewie Griffin line. It's not so much I want to kill, though. It's, it's just that I don't want her to live any longer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get into really the reason that both of us liked this so much was the social commentary. Being black in America, which is very hard for us to talk about. Once again, shades of porcelain. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm very glad they talked about it and showed it in a realistic way. I'm just glad that they spent time on it. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they did it. They did it in a way that seemed realistic. And multi-generational. And multi yeah, exactly. You know, from like a dude from World War II to a person now, even talking black person to black person. The things they brought up between between like that scene, those conversations bringing up experimenting on the black men and, and how and why and what they did and how they treated them. 
I guess for me, it worked because it made me stop and think about things differently. Yeah. And so I, I'm sure that's why they did this. Representation for one, and then yeah. the other side of it, make people realize and think about this. Even Bucky makes the point. He's like, I, when Steve gave you that shield, I had no idea what it would be like to be a black Captain America. Right. How could I? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so, I mean, there's only so much we can really say about this other than I'm glad it was there. Yeah, I'm glad it's it there. It was done really well. It was done respectfully. It made me think about stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, which I think is the point, is yeah. to get everybody to think about stuff. I mean, once again, as a couple of white dudes from Iowa, we can't really yeah. talk much to being a black person. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> so then we get to Zemo, which is kind of the final part to talk about on my list. Zemo's point was super soldiers are supremacists because they lead to things like Hydra, like Ultron, and even the Avengers, which are groups of people that force their will upon others. He's not wrong. And exactly, he's not wrong. Yeah. And I mean, and when you think about, hypothetically speaking, a super soldier serum gets out there, how do you and I get that? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah we don't. We don't. So there will inherently be superiorly enhanced people above us. Yeah, people that are already in supremacist yeah, situations. Superior, yeah, superior. And then they have that extra tier of superiority. Yeah. So, I mean, he's exactly correct as far as I'm concerned. Even though he is one of those people, too. Well, he's a baron, but... Yeah. I mean, so, what, I, you can give Zemo a lot of shit, but he sticks to his principles. Yeah, he does. Again, this is a character that I, I'm only so familiar with because, again, he was, he was a Captain America villain, and I didn't really read a lot of the Captain America books. But the way that I understood him as a villain was his main reason for hating Captain America is he wanted to prove he could be just as good without needing to be enhanced. Eh, that's an interesting arc. I think this arc makes, you know, the one that we're talking about makes him way more interesting well, than he wanting to beat a guy to death with a sock full of nickels. <laughs> but the other, the other way around it is, I mean, he's still there. And now if he's leveling the playing field, that puts him in the supreme seat, being a baron. Yeah. There are different ways to look at it. It's Marvel. Yeah. I think what Zemo would say is that you can't control who you're born to. But it does allot him more resources to go after these things to help make an equal or more equal playing field. I think that would be what Zemo's response to that would be. Something like that, probably. Yeah. But I, do I agree with it? Probably not. But does it make sense? Yeah. And one of the points that he makes, it's another one of those little throwaway lines that he says, and where he kind of brings up Sokovia and he says, you didn't even visit the memorial, did you? And they say, no. He goes, of course not. Why would you? And it's kind of the point that he's trying to make is all of these superheroes, the do-gooders, the, all these movements that are trying, they're so focused on doing what they're doing, they're not even thinking about the people they're stepping on. I think that's exactly what he was trying to get at. I mean, they didn't lose anybody there. He lost his entire country. They lost Quicksilver. Yeah, but he's kind of a throwaway character anyway. Don't tell Wanda that. <laughs> he had valid points. It's an interesting concept. I highly recommend, if you watch it again, just stop and think about the points that he's making. I remember two or three times throughout it when I, was, when I watched it the second time, I'd pause it for a minute. Mm -hmm. And I'd think, you know, he does a lot of X, Y, Y, Z, X equals Y, Z yeah. stuff. And you think about it, and you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I... 
generally <laughs> speaking, when we're going to do these episodes, we're going to do this stuff, I'll take notes about it, and I'll look at it, and I'm like, okay, what did I just enjoy about it? This one, when I went to take my notes, I get to the end of the first episode and went, I've got to really think about this. In order to do this justice, I've got to take my time. I can't just go talk about it off the top of my head. Yeah. I've got to actually think about this. No, I'm, not, I'm not one that like watches stuff a whole lot. Like You'll rewatch shit all day long. But I actually watched this series three times to prepare for this. I've only watched it twice. Oh, you know, I drink, so <laughs> stuff gets fuzzy in and out of there. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, is there anything else that you want to talk I about I think here? I'm good. All right, so let's move on to our uh, metaphorical ratings. And you said you got one. Yeah, it's Red Wing. It's a way to get to where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just... Just setting up, basically. And it's basically... Yeah, it's... it's like a chessboard. They moved a bunch of pieces around, maybe took a couple pieces. Yep, it's... They took a couple characters we didn't know a whole hell of a lot about, built them up, developed them, and then we'll see where they go in the next show or movie or how yeah. they bring up. That's fair. I gave this an American symbol because, to me, most of this was about symbolizing what's going on in America. And a lot of it is talking about symbols. And the good that the symbols do and the bad that the symbols do. And so that to me is what I liked about this, why I like this so much. Man, this might be one of the most serious episodes. That- <laughs> <laughs> but this was, I mean, like you said, though, I mean, there were funny parts to it, but this wasn't funny. This was, no, it, it was pretty heavy for the yeah. most part. I think they did a really good job at bringing up complex issues and yeah. distilling them down in a way that people can talk about them. You know, there's, I, I guess that's an interesting point, too, is we both seem to enjoy this so much because it gives us more fodder to talk about or to use it examples to think and talk about the social stuff that it hits on. Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating. Write a review. Reach out to us on Twitter at Fanboy and Hater. Email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.